HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Comté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. everyone and welcome to the Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host Kara Warren and today on the show I have owners George and Debbie Crave and their daughter Roseanne of Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese located in Waterloo, Wisconsin. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Oh thanks, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, I mean I love, so I mean right off the bat everyone understands it's a family business. Um I would like to throw it to, I don't even, how do you guys make decisions in your house? Uh, who, I want to say, whoever, how do, how do you say you love being in a family business? What is your, what, how do you feel about that? Who should take that first? Uh, George, Debbie, or Roseanne? I don't know how you choose. <laughs> I'll, I'll cover that first. Um, and then I'll see if Debbie agrees with me. <laughs> uh, and First of all, we started out as a large family, the Crave family down in Beloit, down in southern Wisconsin, and then we moved to Waterloo here 40 years ago, and uh, we started our, our dairy farm here. And so I've been working with my brothers and my family my whole life, you know, either with my dad back in Beloit, pick, picking the garden, whatever it was. So we were always working together as a family. And then, uh, you know, milking the cows and driving the tractor and fixing equipment and, and working and all that. So you just learn to to work together. And then about 20 years ago, we built a cheese factory where Debbie came home and started working with me uh, as a partner in the cheese factory where she was in the marketing and and I was doing more of the cheese. And it's been working really well for us. She Well, we complement each other and that's what it's really all about. Now we have our daughter, Roseanne, that's in the business, and our son, Brian, that's a cheesemaker, our niece, Beth, that works in customer service, and and then uh, Patrick, uh, our son in cows, Jordan, Andy, nephews, brother Tom, Mark, and Charlie. So George is naming a lot of people. Yeah. It's a family business. Um, you know, it can be exhausting because you're always involved with the family business. You're always thinking about it and talking about it. So we pretty much schedule time where we don't talk about it, where we do have fun, do other things, go up north, go visit other family or friends. 
Um, I did spend 20 years in, in marketing and PR in working in Madison. That's why George says she came home. So <laughs> I, I have been home. I just worked, uh, you know, quite a ways away. And I was so happy to have that other experience to draw on and other people. George, uh, on the other hand, has always only worked with family. And that's, that's good. And that's not always so great. It's challenging. So you really make yourself find other people outside the business to work with, whether it's coaches, you know, counselors, experts, you know, other people to draw on um, for their experience and to motivate you. Otherwise you kind of can get stuck spinning. And that's, what's great about bringing. So we bring Roseanne back and she's a fairly new college graduate with some experience in the industry. And it's refreshing, exciting. I love energy and enthusiasm. And that's what she brings. Roseanne, you feel the same way as, as your mom there? <laughs> Yes, so I've grown up uh, with our family company. Um, I remember when I was little, uh, we started to build the factory, and I would come here after school every day, and I've worked here in high school, middle school, some of college, and also worked, yes, within the industry at a couple other cheese companies. But yes, I really do enjoy working with my family, especially my parents. Yeah. Um, they've always been some of my biggest supporters, as you would imagine. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I bet uh, for the holidays, what I, I, I have this idea in my brain that like all of you are making cheese dishes and there must be some competitive cheese dish that one of you is making. Is there is there one that stands out for the Crave family? Uh, it, it really does depend on, you know, the holiday and the season. Um, all of our cheeses are so easy to use for various recipes. Uh, I, w I would say that at most family functions, um, we'll tend to use our mascarpone, which is a sweet Italian cream cheese. And um, everyone's favorite dessert is our chocolate mascarpone pie. Oh, my goodness. But at Christmas, we made a, a caprese salad. And this year, it was a wreath. You can make it shaped like a candy cane. But uh, Roseanne did a great job making it into a wreath. And, you know, we, we had a little trouble finding fresh, great-looking basil in Wisconsin in December. So we used some fresh spinach leaves, and they made it look awesome. So yeah, we're always, uh, who can do what and what's creative? That creative factor is uh, a little competitive factor for all of us. I hope so. That makes everything more interesting, you know? Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that that's sort of there. Uh, so I'd like to talk about your cheeses and the, and the Crave family uh, cheese line. Um, maybe that I, I should throw that to George. What sort of cheeses are you guys currently making? Well, we make fresh mozzarella, the, the soft uh, pasta filata uh, that we we uh, make that in all the different sizes, perlini, siliginis, bocconcinis, ovalinis, <laughs> eight ounce balls, one pound logs, sliced logs, five pound loaves, curds. And so we make those um, every day. We have two different lines. We call it line one. That's on line one most of the time. And then we make queso Oaxaca braided string cheese on line two. Uh, a lot of we make a, a many many thousand pounds of that a day also and then we make our mascarpone we made mascarpone just a, just an hour ago i finished up with the mascarpone that's the cream cheese that roseanne was talking about and then we'll make cheese curds about once a week uh and and that's really about it but so many different sizes and shapes and variations of those of those two simple cheeses but the it really makes it uh, a product that's available to many different groups out in the market, which gives us a lot of flexibility on who we sell our products to. And, you know, I'd like to point out, 
you're not from Italy or Mexico. So like, how did you, which may be a little obvious, um, but I, how did you get into the Italian style pasta filata cheese making? Right. That's a, that's a uh, often asked question because here we're in Wisconsin and you think of us as the cheddar heads. And if you saw me, I'm a six, two, uh, retiring redhead um that uh has french german irish uh english heritage and uh debbie is half italian but when we started thinking about making cheese we did market research like anyone would uh went to some different people and they says what kind of cheese you're going to make and say boy that's a good question so we did some market research and 20 years ago 21 years ago fresh mozzarella was really a a in its infancy you know, we hardly knew what it was. I thought it was two-day-old string cheese when they were telling me about fresh mozzarella. Mm-hmm. But then we we found out that it's a soft cheese. And then Debbie and I remembered we did see that in one of our travels to Italy years earlier with with some of Debbie's work in, in marketing. We were in Italy and we, we saw this mozzarella and it was really different from what we viewed as our cheddars and our Colby's here in Wisconsin. So that's where we got into it. And it just expanded into the case of Oaxaca and uh, and it's they're both complementary types of cheese. And Kara, I come from working in state government and marketing and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, so I was pretty familiar with all the resources. We are lucky in Wisconsin to have these great resources from the university to well, they have the Center for Dairy Research to um, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. They call themselves Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin now. They do trade shows, bring buyer groups, offer. Um, some marketing programs that really do help all of us. And yeah, I'm half Italian and I love cooking and I have family in Italy. So George and I have hopped on a plane and traveled to Italy, even with Roseanne quite a bit. And we've looked at equipment and um, met with cheese companies. So we really do have a sense of um, the history, tradition, the heritage behind our cheese, even though George didn't come from Italy with <laughs> with a secret recipe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would imagine. And I guess in 20 years ago, I, I understand, like George mentioned, it was just starting the mozzarella movement, um, but it may not have been you know, as easy to find a fresh mozzarella with a short life, a shelf life, excuse me, that could make it out there. So have you seen now in the last decade an expansion of that um, amongst customers and and their knowledge of this cheese? Absolutely. Any, almost any store you, you walk into, I don't care if we were, we were in New Orleans or we're in uh, Florida, you know, Colorado, you walk into a store and there's mozzarellas there and have to be truthful Early on, 20 years ago, the retailers were very skeptical about the short shelf life of the water packs, Siliginis and Bocconcinis. They were very skeptical that they could keep the rotations fresh and, and get it used up. And then they realized people are asking for it. It's another skew. It's a high volume item. And uh, they made it all work. We made it work. You know, you go through a couple of different trucking companies that couldn't figure it out. And we worked through the logistics and work with the transportation and the warehouses that we that understand the movement and things are much more sophisticated with the barcodes and everything else that's out there now on on shipping containers and on the boxes so uh very much more uh streamlined type of type of from orders to making it trucks come in and away it goes off to the market so very 
easy to say seamless now, but initially I have to, if I think back, it really wasn't very seamless. It was quite a bit of work. I'm sure logistics and technology have caught up to you now, but I cannot even imagine years ago tracking that shelf life. It must have been, uh, I commend you for your organization actually on this, because I'm sure it wasn't, I don't know if it was Sharpie marker or what, but I'm sure it was not easy. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what is the milk? I know it's cow's milk, but what kind of breed of cow and, and how much weight are you guys pulling together to, to put this production together, actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right across the road, right across the road from the cheese factory is our farm where we milk uh, 1,100 cows on the home farm. We milk 800 on another farm across down the road. And uh, most of that milk comes to the cheese factory. We milk the cows, the milk's refrigerated. And then we, once a day, we swing a few lines and directly pipeline it from the home farm here, right? 340 feet underground to the cheese factory. So we have the Holstein cows, big black and white productive cows uh, that that uh, we, we love. And they've been really good for us and good to us. And uh, our son now, Patrick, he's in charge of the cows and does a terrific job over there. But very high producing cows that come over the cheese factory. We have about it uh, for your for your listeners we have about 4.2% butterfat milk. Now, if you go to the store and whole milk is about 3.2% butterfat where they take, they'll still skim some of the fat out of, of course, 2% is 2% butterfat. So our milk is, has twice as much butterfat and, and in it than your 2%. Uh, but that whole milk with a lot of protein, 3, 3% protein, 3.3% protein, um, makes really good cheese and a lot of cheese on a per hundred weight basis. We value look at our milk as a measuring like a bushel of corn or a yardstick meter. We we use the uh, hundred weight as a measuring of how we measure our milk. And when we first started, we thought it was great if we were making three sizes of fresh mozzarella. You heard George naming all those Italian words. It means their different sizes are egg size, golf ball size, cherry size. We said, oh, great. That's all we need. Oh, no. Now we make pearl size, medallions, the eight ounce ball. But actually, the great part is that um, customers like different sizes for different applications. So for the famous Caprizi salad, you would have a medallion, but the little pearl size are perfect sprinkled on a pizza and um, cherry size are nice skewered with uh, cherry tomatoes. So amazingly, uh, consumers have kind of pushed and told us, well, here's what we want. So we just keep adding these sizes, which means, you know, getting more equipment, specialized equipment from Italy. And uh, the other thing is we're beyond tiramisu for mascarpone. Everyone knows mascarpone for tiramisu or vice versa. And we're so um, not trying to be that only in that that recipe. We love coming up with creative ideas using our mascarpone. So Roseanne mentioned our chocolate mascarpone pie. And we have uh, some other favorite recipes like a mascarpone mushroom soup and even a pizza with dollops of mascarpone on it. So uh, it's fun for us to create demand and excitement beyond some of the traditional ideas uh, that you would think of for fresh mozzarella and mascarpone. Sure. And actually, I, I mean, this may be a silly question. I don't know. Um, is mascarpone something that's used in sauce making too? Is it, does it hold up to high temperatures or is it it's just more like a fresh or a mix-in type, type of product? Yes, we, we truly promote it that way, mixed with pasta, make a fettuccine alfredo with mascarpone. Traditional Italians might not do that, but um, we've had a, a 
couple, maybe two or three recipe contests. We have one coming up this coming year. And um, those recipe contests have given us some great creative ideas, like you're talking about, for sauces or different applications for the cheeses. And we always stir mascarpone into soup or sauce, a sauce with pasta. Or I mentioned little dollops on pizza or we have a new recipe, an asparagus tart that has different cheeses on it, not just ours, and then some dollops of mascarpone and nothing like it adds a lot. It sounds lovely. Um, and how can uh, people apply to your contest? What's the best way to do that? So on our, on our website at cravecheese.com, uh, we have a tab specifically made for um, information on how to enter. So people can go directly to our website and it we'll share that we have uh, two different categories. We have one for professional chefs and then one for consumers. So you can enter any kind of dish um, and it has to use uh, one of our cheeses and super easy to enter. And we have cash prizes and our, it'll close uh, March 21st actually. So coming up and it is open now for entries. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I'm just going to say to the listeners, guys, we're going to take a quick break. You guys can uh, apply to the recipe contest at cravecheese.com. Roseanne just gave you a bunch of the rules, so I hope some of uh, you curd nerds out there apply. This is very exciting. I love it. Um, all right, everyone, you're listening to Cutting the Curd, and we'll be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, I have the Crave family. This includes George, Debbie, and Roseanne. Um, I, I'm really loving it. It's it's so exciting to hear how they run their family business in Wisconsin. Um, and actually, um, in a pre-interview with George, I had a great conversation about how climate change and sustainability is also a big part of their business model. Um, part of our theme of this season on cutting the curd of the 2022 season is to think about how we can be better with changing the cheese industry and, and be more helpful, you know, 
protecting our environment and, and just doing better overall. So George, I know you mentioned, how is it that the company is working to, um, you know, be better to the community and, and work with the environment better? Well, being starting out as dairy farmers and, and farming the land and growing our crops, the corn, the alfalfa, the soybeans, we were always rotating crops, always uh, keeping keeping something some something growing on the soil. And then when those crops are harvested, we feed them to cows. And of course, one of the byproducts of feeding a cow is the waste or the manure, and that always gets recycled back to the fields to be the fertilizer to grow next year's crops. So we've always been. I like to call her the original recyclers. And uh, I say we were green before green was groovy mm -hmm. uh, because farmers have always, we're really the, the front line of environmentalists when we're out there working with the land, working with our cattle, and then of course making food. So so always looking at how to be more, more I don't want to use the word sustainable, but repeatable and always continuous improvement. So we've always been doing that. And about, no, 15 years ago, we took it a step further and put in a methane digester, which is where we take all the waste from the farm and the cheese factory and put in these large tanks, 750,000 gallon tanks to be exact. We have two of those. And the byproduct of that rapid decomposition of that biomass is methane gas, which is highly combustible and it powers a huge internal combustion engine just like it's in cars out there only this is a huge 800 horse engine that is powered off the methane not diesel or gasoline but the methane powers this big engine that in turn turns a electromagnetic generator that generates enough electricity to power the farm the cheese factory and about 300 homes in our community so that's a big step that we're using the methane off of our waste to make green energy renewable energy and that's running right now. I look out the window and you can see the the, the machine running and uh, runs almost all the time. And then a byproduct from that, what goes in must come out, is the, the little fibers from the cow feed that come back out and they're further processed into the cow bedding. That's what the cows lay on is the old fibers from the corn, the soybeans, the wheat, the, the brewer's grain, mulch sprouts, wheat mid, everything that uh, the cow ate, the fibers come back out and underneath them for bedding so always looking at that recycling our water at the cheese factory uh is a big part of it also that all gets goes back to our fields and to irrigate the and grow the crops for next year and the current crop so we're always looking at what can we do with what we have what can we do better continuous improvement and we've always had that model i think most farmers do because it's really there's very thin margins in, in farming and agriculture. And the only way to really make a profit, make a living off of it is really being very conservative and conscious of all of our inputs and what we're actually harvesting off the land and how we leave the land. Yeah, I, I really like what you said about that. We need things to be repeatable. Um, and I, I think you just made a lot of dairy farmers, cheesemakers, uh, wish, wish lists a little more clear now for future uh, future growing, I'd say. One thing George didn't mention is our Produced with Renewable Energy logo, did you? Okay. Um, I, I listen to him and then I don't listen to him. So <laughs> a few years back when we knew we were uh, getting this digester project going, we said, well, this is really cool. We should tell our customers. How do we tell our customers? Put a little logo on our products. We have a beautiful little logo. It's a green, a calf with a 
green leaf tail. And the logo is a circle and it says produced with renewable energy. And that's really to tell people uh, a little more about their food, how their food is produced and um, our story. And, and hopefully maybe it even makes them go to our website and learn more because everyone's so interested now in being sustainable, being green, um, knowing more about their food. So I'm just, I'm just letting you know there's that aspect too. We're really proud of our story and that was one way for us to to develop it. We even trademarked that logo. Oh, smart. Um, just to keep it as ours. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's very, that's smart. I'm going to have to double check and, you know, packaging has so many messages on it. I'm going to now review it after this program. Um, Cause that's very cool. Um, I wanted to ask you guys also, what are you doing for the people community? Are you guys, are there programs or incentives that are going on in Wisconsin that you also help promote to, to better the community? Well, we, we participate yeah, with the Wisconsin, well, now it's Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. They have different cost sharing with some of our labeling and some of our packaging uh, that when we attend trade shows, we are in their booth along with a lot of our fellow uh, medium-sized cheese makers uh, are in the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin booth. So that's what we like to uh, participate. And we can always learn from each other when we are in these types of having these activities, some of these sales meetings. Uh, and we really dearly miss that with the shutdown, what we've been experiencing for almost two years now that we just have, have friends that we are unable to see or talk to and learn what they're doing or asking questions about different equipment or different packaging, different inputs. You know, what's, what's, the, what's the cost of whatever they're dealing with? Are they going up? Are they getting the supplies they need? Because we're all in this, we're all in the same boat where we're dealing not only with the milk we use, but we use cardboard, we use the plastics, we use the different products to make the labels and the ink jetting. And it's really uh, important that we really are thinking ahead now to make sure we have the supplies. It used to be about a, th a three week lead time almost on any of our supplies. Now it might be a six week, sometimes a two to three month lead time on any particular supply. And then of course, it's, it's not the supplier's fault, but it's the whole supply chain all the way back to the glue that might be, go on the tape. It's, it's really unfathomable that we're really in this situation now. Yeah, no, I know everyone's uh, from the retail level to the producer level is, is feeling this uh, logistic breakdown. Um, I, you mentioned, um, you know, COVID and, and COVID protocols. Um, how is that doing now for you guys? Is it easier um, since I first talked with you? I know there, you had a lot of um, strategies with the staff and, and, and everything. Um, has it improved? As far as staffing goes, uh, Kara, we required all of our employees to be vaccinated, and they are. Uh, people choose whether or not to wear a mask. Um, and we have a little bit of a policy, too, if you've been around someone that's sick or you yourself are. Um, it's worked okay. People feel safe. We want a safe, uh, good working environment for our employees. And we need to make cheese. People want to go to the store and buy cheese. And we have milk at the farm, and we need to use it. So we're um, proud to be essential employees to be important in the food industry and part of feeding America. And we've certainly made this work, but we're moving forward. Uh, we're not over worrying about anything. If someone's sick, um, 
you know, we provide paid sick leave and vacation time and we're making everything work. It's so much better now than in 2020 when this first happened, everyone was in a panic. We're calm, we have policies, we just implement them and we move forward. And we still had an employee Christmas party at Christmas and uh, we're really glad that we did that. Everyone needed just kind of a fun event and we'll have something this summer. And in fact, next fall, even a little celebration for our 20th anniversary, a community celebration. So we're, we're being positive and open-minded because as George mentioned, we miss getting together. We do have a trade show coming up um, in a week or so, a food industry trade show. And we're looking forward to it just to get together with buyers and our colleagues in the industry to see how everyone's doing and, and what's new. Yeah, I, I completely understand. I'll be there myself, so I'll have to stop by and say hello, actually. Um, and I also want to mention congratulations. Yeah, and I just want to say congratulations on your 20th anniversary. That's that's amazing. I mean, that's definitely a milestone. Um, the other thing, I, <laughs> yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask about was I, someone mentioned to me, Deb, that you were once a Dairy Queen or are a Dairy Queen in Wisconsin. I I would like to know more. What does that What does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, we have a program in Wisconsin called Alice in Dairyland that's uh, been around since the state centennial, since 1948. Uh, way back uh, in 81, 82, I was Alice in Dairyland, fresh out of college. Oftentimes, uh, these young women are college graduates with some marketing experience. You go around the, the state promoting Wisconsin agriculture, not just dairy, but certainly dairy is a big part of it. Um we did cranberries and, and mink and uh, maple syrup and other industries too, but I sure learned a lot about cheese during that year, and um, it's been fun to draw on, and, and it was a fabulous experience. Uh, a lot of traveling around Wisconsin. I was lucky to travel throughout the U.S. a little more, so some Alice's have done that. We have a great camaraderie, our group of former Alice's, and in fact, there's a, the event this, this May for selecting the new Alice will be... A, a kind of a reunion for many of us and we all try to get together so it's fun it's uh it's a one-year job and uh been a few years but it, it was part of my uh, job resume yes it, it sounds like a lot of work honestly and i know wisconsin has a uh, very high expectations for people related to cheese so i feel like you took on a pretty big responsibility by doing that yeah, um yeah. Did that help? I think it was more than I thought. <laughs> I'm sure I I am sure it was. Um, did actually I was going to throw it to Roseanne now. Is there like a special another special pairing that we can tell the listeners about uh, that'll leave them hungry uh, for their next crave uh, mozzarella or mascarpone? Maybe. Sure, uh, I could touch on even just a dessert cheese board. So that's something that I discovered um, during the hype of you know cheese boards and. Um, I utilized our mascarpone and our chocolate mascarpone, and it's super easy to use for different social events because you can put anything with it. I like to put different cookies, berries, um, chocolates, caramels, because our mascarpone, both our chocolate and our traditional, pair perfectly with anything sweet. That sounds awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to uh to actually trying that because I don't think I've ever had chocolate mascarpone. So I'm like I'm trying to imagine the flavors right now, and it sounds really it sounds fun. I can imagine berries going very well with it. Um, so act and and this has been great, guys. I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Um, I have one final question, which is um, to the cheesemakers and dairy farmers out there. Do you have any um 
last words of great advice for them during this time period or or to help them grow their business maybe? Well, I think right now the currently the dairy markets finally has a lot of strength behind it. There's very strong butter markets. There's uh, We're still able to produce open and freely here in America and the U.S. And so many other countries are under pressure to uh, reduce their herd numbers. They have urban encroachment, which makes it difficult on animal agriculture. So we have a good supply of milk here in the U.S. and our markets are strong. We still export a lot of our markets out there. And I think just making sure that it's really dairy, that it's really milk. Milk has the calcium in it. I read something just yesterday that that 40% of the available calcium in the food chain comes through dairy. So get your calcium, get your vitamins, your riboflavin, and a terrific muscle protein also in dairy products. And I think uh, we have a bright future. Animal agriculture has a bright future, and there's very good people out there working with it to end and using very current uh, scientifically proven production methods to produce our food and, and keep it on the shelf, keep it producing every day through thick and thin. We've, we've been successful at that. Mm-hmm. And just my spin on your question, Kara, is we have associations. We have a Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association and even a Wisconsin Specialty Cheese Institute. They're great member resources, but they're good networking too. We have little events or we, we tour a factory or we have a speaker. And uh, that has kind of helped us through all of this turmoil and change because we, we have colleagues in the industry. When George left dairy farming to become a cheesemaker, he was kind of sad. He really missed farmers because they share so much. But we have found the cheese industry to, to be just as open and sharing as much as they can um, and friendly. And we love that. We, we love getting together with our friends in the cheese industry. Yes, it, it, I thank you for saying that. I think the cheese industry is one of the most close knit communities um, that I've I've ever been a part of, and I can I can hear it in the program when I when I interview people like yourselves. Um, so I just want to say thank you all for coming on the show today. This was really awesome to hear your words of advice and and insight uh, about cheese making. Um, I just want to tell our listeners out there you can find them at uh, thecravecheese dot com or on Instagram at cravecheese LLC. Am I right, Roseanne? Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. And also on Facebook at cravebros.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and uh, eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.